Sangmonani Dumelan, good evening and welcome to episode 194 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. It's a Friday edition of the Private Property Podcast and if you're joining us for the first time, you have missed out on such an amazing offering that we have brought on your screens. So do make sure that you go to our Facebook or YouTube page and catch up on all the great episodes that you have missed out on. And to all our regular viewers, welcome back to the Private Property Podcast. You know how we do it. Every single weekdays at 7 p.m., we get to tackle, you know, certainly hot property topics that a lot of us need help with. And it doesn't matter whether you are renting, whether you're a landlord or even living at home, we certainly do help you along your property journey, regardless of what your property ambitions are. Well, one of the things that we also love doing is of course, running great competitions where you can stand a chance of walking away with amazing prizes back at home. And this time around, I am talking about the Sherlock Holmes competition. This one, of course, is one that we're running for the next 12 weeks across the private property social media pages. And all you have to do to enter is to follow where the riddle leads you. So every single Monday we post a riddle and you have to essentially, you know, play detective and decipher where the riddle points you. And of course you do, uh, you know, share where you think it's potentially leading you and you stand a chance of walking away with that 5,000 Rand voucher every single Friday. And this week, or as of this week, we've started uh, to spice things up just slightly where every Wednesdays and Thursdays across, uh, you know, the various weeks that we're running this competition, we're also going to be giving away a spot prize of 500 Rand in cash. So that's definitely great incentive for you to make sure that you enter, make sure that you watch us live, because in order for you to be able to claim that spot prize, you have to be watching us live. And as usual, do show us your love, do continue sharing uh, when you're watching the live, getting more of your friends and family to join in so we can make this property circle bigger. Now, talking about making the property circle bigger, I never come alone. We, I am, of course, talking about the other great shows across our social media platforms that you can look forward to. I am talking about SD Class and bringing you the first time home bias show every single Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And Umbalino, for all of those who've got green fingers and want to go into agriculture, uh, she brings you the farming podcast. And so you can tune into her every Wednesday, every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. And over the weekend, Chad takes you through the Home Shoppers Show for all of you at home who are looking to buy into a certain complex or estate, then you can certainly get a good glimpse of what you can expect if you move in there. And a new one that's on your TV screens is, of course, Mzansi Cribs Makeover uh, that Utatomba brings to your screens as the presenter. So that's certainly what you can look forward to across you know, the private property social media platforms, as well as your television sets as we talk property and help each other along our property journeys. And talking about helping each other along our property journeys, of course, continue engaging us on social media. You can catch me on at Zamantunga underscore K. And for this evening, we're actually talking about something that I know can be boring. And I know I tend to complain about this because it's one of those costs that you sometimes you wish you never had to pay. Um, but we live in South Africa and we live in a world where we have to actually you know, pay this. I often complain about how I think I pay too much of it, 
Um, and of course, as you've probably guessed, we're talking about insurance. Uh, but specifically what we're going to be exploring this evening is understanding the different types of community scheme insurance. We know that increasingly so many of us are living in community schemes and community scheme, scheme living certainly has different aspects to it and the different things that we always need to be aware of because it isn't like, you know, living in a freestanding uh, property like you previously used to. So some of the things that we'll definitely be exploring are, you know, what, what exactly is even community scheme um, insurance and what should we know about it? Because I think so many owners probably don't and so if you're an owner whether you're living in a community scheme or you're an owner and you know it's your investment unit that's in a community scheme you certainly want to make sure that you stay tuned and you also want to find out how do you make sure as an owner that the community scheme that you live in or have invested in or that you bought in is adequately insured because the one thing you probably don't want is find out in the middle of a crisis that you're not properly insured. We'll also be dealing with some of the, you know, Nikki uh, or rather wet uh, insurance issues that we tend to typically encounter. And I know you've guessed that I'm talking, you know, leaking of the roof and your area being damp. Who actually uh, deals with that in a community scheme? Right now, we've been having rain for what feels like 40 days and 40 nights in Joburg. And there are different apartments where, unfortunately, leaking is happening. So who's supposed to be dealing uh, with matters like that? And to help us better understand this, I'm joined this evening by Mike Addison, who is the CEO at AdShow. Mike, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, good evening. Thank you for having me on your show. Really it's great only to be here. It's only a pleasure, Mike. I think, you know, insurance, insurance stresses me. Um, insurance gives me a lot of heartache. When I look at the different kinds of uh, insurance, so to speak, that I pay for, whether you're looking at car insurance, life insurance, when we're insuring our phones, there's just so many things we're constantly having to insure. I know that, and I know that I'm not alone with this one at home because there's always just a sense of there's so many things that we need to pay for. And then you're also going to probably have issues with insurance when you want to claim, uh, which tends to be another issue on its own. But of course, this evening we're looking at you know insurance in community schemes. Perhaps firstly, just take us through how insurance for community schemes you know would typically work um, because I'm sure there are many owners who are probably not very aware um, often until they you know live in a community scheme and something happens and then they have to kind of start figuring out you know how does insurance work who do I call um, and those kinds of things no right um, <clears throat> so it's such a huge subject, so I'm going to just start uh, with the basics. Um, in fact, we'll stay with the basics. So sectional title insurance is one form of uh, a community scheme, and then, of course, you have homeowners associations, which we commonly call HOAs, um, and both of them um, require some sort of insurance. So body is corporate, first of all. It's more um, regulated by way of legislation. Um, and therein lies how that's insured. Um, and bear in mind, we always say that we're not actually insuring a building. Everybody thinks uh, that it's all about insuring the building. It's not actually all about insuring the building. The insurance of the building is one of the aspects. And we like to say we're insuring the community, we're insuring the people, we're protecting the people. Yes, we're insuring the building to protect the people. But there are two other important elements. Um, I call it the one, two, three approach. 
you have buildings, you've got fidelity, and you've got liability. And if you cover those three main areas, you're pretty much there. Uh, that's your, call it top of the pile um, when you start looking. Uh, on the HOA side, you're just looking at the common property. You're not looking at all of the buildings. Um, and But very important, there's some, some very important points to look out for on the HOA side. Mm. And, and and maybe, you know, Mike, let's probably go through, I'll say the different kinds with the, with the building fidelity and liability, because I know, for example, one of the first things that we typically uh, tend to ask with a managing agent, for argument's sake, is if they have their fidelity certificates, you know, it's such a big thing uh, that before you even start engaging with them, and maybe as a, uh, you know, as an owner, that might be a term you're might be familiar with or just a term that you're not even familiar with or how it affects you when you're living in a community scheme. So just briefly take us through, uh, I'll say, the difference between ensuring the, you know, the building, the fidelity, as well as liability. Okay, so first of all, the building. So, you know, it's everybody's more familiar with the building's insurance. So um, it traditionally, one would call it you're protecting the building against fire and other risks. So fire would be one, lightning, uh, hail would be fall into that category, uh, severe water damage, flooding, uh, um, and then a couple of other risks, uh, you know, associated with lightning um, and things like um, power surges and things that cause severe damage to the buildings in a sudden eventful sort of way. So uh, a storm, a fire, a flood, a burst pipe, not a, just an old rusty leaking pipe, but a burst pipe which causes damage um, would be your typical building insurance categories of events. Then you've got your fidelity cover. Um, and I, I mentioned that before liability because, you know, that is something now which is compulsory. It used to be optional. So from 2016, you're actually much safer in your body corporate environment generally provided that at the AGM you've actually selected the correct amounts and you've worked out the formulas correctly. Um, but fidelity is very important. Um, you'll be su unpleasantly surprised to know that um, there's been a lot of fraud and dishonesty over the years. Um, I wouldn't say lots of different events, but when the events come, they're big and lots of bodies corporate get hit. Um, and lots of money is lost. And in many cases, owners lose a lot more money through fraud and dishonesty than a small fire. So it's quite an important area. And I'm very pleased in 2016 when they made it compulsory. And um, the new CSOS uh, Act regulation, Regulation 15 to be specific, actually sets out the formula which sets out what the trustees need to insure against and how to present it at the AGM. And then the third one, so fidelity cover, by the way, I, I say that if you want to remember what is fidelity cover, um, it should be called infidelity cover. So because it's fidelity or infidelity, we're talking about honesty or dishonesty. Yeah. So it's just a smarter way of talking about an honesty policy. So for people that don't understand what fidelity means, it's really a policy against dishonesty or somebody it would be a trustee or a managing agent or an employee who somehow dishonestly starts whittling away your funds without you knowing it over a period of time usually, and then you find that suddenly there's a million rand missing from your body corporate funds. Okay, so there's, that's the protection in a nutshell. And then liability. That's, that's, that's the big one. Um, it's to protect the body corporate. 
Um, I must reiterate, it's not to pay out other people. That's not its function. Its function is to protect the body corporate, all of the owners collectively, against being found legally liable, um, against uh, an event such as a slip and fall, an injury, um, you know, somebody's, um, the, the, the body corporate's gate um, falls on somebody's car and causes damage to a vehicle. That would be your damage to property type of liability cover. But the worst ones are drownings in swimming pools where the body corporate were negligent around the swimming pool and somebody, and there's a drowning or a near drowning or an injury, and the body, as due to the fact the body corporate hasn't been or has been neglectful about the maintenance of the common property. Those are the three main areas. Mm. And, you know, Mike, when I actually then think of living in a community scheme, I, I often share with viewers at home how a part of me is, is low-key heartful of living in a community scheme. And as much as it has its perks, it also unfortunately has uh, its downside. Perhaps take us through some of the common, uh, you know, claims that owners in community schemes would typically have and where issues uh, sometimes would arise. Okay, so your, your, your typical claim, uh, in fact, um, rough statistically, 70% of all claims um, are around the hot water cylinder or the geyser. And so that is an area um, which we've been spending quite a lot of time working on over the last few years. The, um, there are solutions to the geyser problem um, because the geyser is a unique situation uh, I could give a whole hour's discussion just about that. But the, the, the bottom line is that geezers are not supposed to be covered, believe it or not, because um, there's actually a rule, prescribed management rule 31, says that the owner is supposed to replace and maintain their own geezer. So when the geezer packs up after five years or so, you're supposed to actually put your hands in your own pocket. However, the expectation is that the insurance will pay for it. So they've designed a maintenance section on the policy, which usually most policies, most sectional title policies, that is, not all. And um, they maintain your geyser and replace it for you when it goes down, um, subject to certain limits, obviously about you know, roughly 8,000 rand for the geyser, and you know, usually with about a 1,500 rand or 2,000 rand excess. That's usually, that's your most common claim. What can you do to, uh, to you know, mitigate against geyser claims going forward to reduce your claims ratios and so forth? Try and install a longer-lasting geezer. There's, there's, there's some great new products around. There's some products that have been around for a long time, but they're just not so well-marketed or known out there. A stainless steel geezer, you'll be surprised. You can get them. Um, I'm not going to mention the product's name here. That's advertising for them. But you can actually find out about a stainless steel geezer that will last for – in fact, I think he's been on your show. Um, and um, the – it's a 10-year, comes with a 10-year guarantee, probably lasts 20, 25 years. You know, if you can just up your policy a little bit, pay a little bit extra premium, and and you've got a much longer-lasting geezer, and long-term, you're going to be much safer. I say 70% of claims are geezers, 35% being half of them being the geezer itself, and the other half being um, related to the resulting damages, the ceiling that collapses after the geezer and so on. But yeah, I'm um, leaking pipes, burst pipes. That's something we can chat about if you want. Yeah, and I actually want to go to the leaky pipes and, and, and uh, burst pipes because I think it's also one of those 
um, relatively contentious things that uh, happen. The reality is with many of us living in community schemes, not every scheme that we would be moving into is a brand new development where you know, the probability of a pipe bursting or starting to leak because of just general wear and tear um, <clears throat> is something that you'd experience. So some complexes are slightly older. Um, and I think for, for me and my experience has been that with some of the developments that have been built um, and not built over 10 years ago, let's say within the last seven year period, we found that there've been instances where developers try and cut corners. So even the way that um, we'll say the, the, the development is specced, you know, various corners get cut and issues then arise when people, you know, start living there a few years into living there. And then you do have, um, you know, burst pipes or whatever the issue is. And when you try dealing with it, then the nightmare of, oh, this was actually done incorrectly, wada, 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 and all that. And then it's the question of, okay, so who's paying for instances where, you know, a, a pipe bursts? And, and let's perhaps point almost two various scenarios. The one where it's bursting in your unit and it's, you know, it's a pipe that's almost running through, let's say, almost the middle of your unit. Um, and another, let's assume it's in between two units um, and, and there's resulting damage in both your units. You know, who would be dealing with getting that pipe uh, burst fixed or the leak and also the resulting damage? Because I think with some of these, you know, with water, we know that it could be happening for months and months and months. And by the time you start seeing it, so much damage has already been done and this thing has just been leaking. Nobody has known because it's in between walls. So how do we best navigate that? Because I've been, I'm actually in the situation. It's, it just drives me insane. And I think it's just one of those issues where there's just so much back and forth and back and forth and, and I'm just not winning. Um, so definitely keen to hear how do we then go about resolving that and who's responsible for what? Okay, it's, it's actually, if you put it into boxes, it's much easier to understand. Um, otherwise, as you say, it just looks like some cloud of leaks, pipes, and, and you know, who knows what's going on. But it really is. So I'm, I'm first going to deal with the difference between a burst and a, and a leak as far as insurance goes. And, and then I'll answer your question um, as to who would be responsible if it runs through a few units and so, well, a few sections. I like to use the correct terminology, sections yeah. rather than units. Um, and then we can break that down. But let's uh, first unpack the three boxes that I put things into. Um, we've actually do quite a lot of publication on this and uh, quite a few links to various articles uh, with the various attorneys, some of them who have been on your show. Um, what, what we do is, we first of all, an insurance claim in its true sense is must be a sudden and unforeseen event. So it mustn't be happening over time or occurring over a period of time. <clears throat> the, the sort of uh, benchmark way of thinking about it is I went to bed at night, my wall was dry, I woke up in the morning and there's water everywhere. That's a sudden event. So it mustn't be, there mustn't be mold or stalagmites and mushrooms growing out of the wall. That's not a claim. Okay, so something that's happened suddenly, last night it wasn't there, this morning it's there, or it happened at 11 o'clock roughly, um, or when I got home from my holiday, the place was flooded, that would be sudden. So your burst pipe would be a very typical claim, so there's your big tick as far as an insurance claim goes, the pipe burst 
You know, burstings don't happen slowly over 30 days. Yeah. Bursts happen. And when they happen, there's trouble. Uh, there's usually, you know, knee deep in water or whatever the case might be. And we've seen some tremendously tragic, uh, severe flooding events. Um, I could give you a few examples, but time limits us. So if the pipe in the wall is burst and there's water running and flowing everywhere, that is generally an insurance claim, and I say generally, unless there's wear and tear involved. Okay, the big word is wear and tear. Don't talk about maintenance. People always argue that how can I maintain a pipe in the wall? It's not about the maintenance. It's about wear and tear. The insurance company are not there to keep your building going for the next 100 years and whenever a pipe is starting to need to be replaced, to be replacing it. The insurance is there to actually replace a perfectly good pipe, actually, but it burst because of pressure or um, more likely in Europe, actually, where you have freezing, uh, perhaps in some of the provinces in South Africa during winter, the pipe freezes overnight and then in the morning, uh, the water is everywhere because it expanded and burst the pipe. But it's usually pressure, um, uh, usually when there's no pressure release valves uh, or pressure release valves or uh, reduct pressure reduction valves in complexes and the pressure mounts uh, and the pipes burst. And that would be your insurance claim. Okay, box one dealt with. The second scenario is, oh, um, there's water uh, damp and a smell and, you know, it's really smelling awful in this cupboard um, and it backs the bathroom. And so you open it up um, and uh, they find the pipes and there's pinholes or the pipe is corroded and rusty. Uh, and that's why the pipe is just packed up. You know what? No insurance claim. It's not. It, in fact, the minute you get a quotation from a, a plumber that says, here, um, replacing the pipe for 5,000 Rand and repairing and putting it back together, can I? is this an insurance claim? No, it's a wear and tear matter. It's in the ordinary course of looking after your property. People get very cross about that because they think, but I pay my insurance premium, I pay my levy, and why doesn't insurance, it's a, it's gonna, I haven't got 5,000 Rand, you know, unfortunately, that's life. It's it's not an insured event. And I usually use the analogy of a motor vehicle. You wouldn't expect the insurance company of your motor car to pay for your oil leak um, because um, something uh, wore and tore in your engine. You needed a new gasket. Your oil and water is leaking. Take it to the garage. costs a lot of money. It's, sorry, it's something it's that you need to budget for. So I mean, Mike, I would, I, would, I, would, Mike, I would probably say I would expect my car insurance to pay for that. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm terrible with cars. I mean, I always yeah. tweet about how I, I hate car admin. I don't understand car admin. I want somebody else to deal with my car admin. I can do property any day, but cars, I, I just, I don't want to deal with cars. So if somebody <laughs> would, if I were to find out that I have an oily leak, my first instinct would actually be to call my insurance. Uh, it would never occur sure. to me that that's something that insurance doesn't cover. And I know there are probably people at home who have the same sentiment that there's something wrong with the car. I pay for car comprehensive car insurance. I'm sure this is one of the many things that are covered. Um, no, no, no. You'd be surprised how many of us assume uh, you know, everything can be paid for uh, when we pay for insurance. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure. There's actually three boxes. So I've covered the first two. So your first box is a burst pipe, sudden water everywhere, 
they pay for repairing the pipe, fixing it, putting a new pipe in uh, that area, uh, patching it up, um, and putting things back together. This your excess, all paid. The second scenario, no claim whatsoever. It's an old rusty pipe. It was leaking. It's smelly. It's happening over time. Sorry, same costs are just about the same as a burst pipe, but that's that's for the owner's account. The third scenario is is where it gets a little bit trickier, um, but it's still easy to to differentiate. So you have an old fraught pipe in the wall. It has pinholes and all sorts of bits and pieces. It, it, a plumber opens it up. Sorry, the pipe's rotten. It's thing. But what had actually happened was it had collapsed overnight. So whilst the pipe was worn and torn, the water flowed and caused extensive damage. You know, it was just paper thin. It then just gave way and collapsed. And now you've got a lot of resulting damage. Now, the resulting damage would be your carpets or your laminate flooring or even the ceiling in the section below and so forth. Now, if that happens suddenly, the second part happened, the resulting damage happened suddenly, you've got a claim for your resultant damage. And that's why it's so important. If you're downstairs and you notice some damp on the ceiling, report it immediately. Because if you leave it for a good 30 days or so and the mold starts coming, it starts becoming a leak over time and it won't be an insurance claim. So report these things straight away. Speak to your broker. Your broker can break it down and help you and guide you as to whether it is a claim or it isn't. Sometimes you're not sure, so you put in your claim to see, but then your broker should have at least explained what I've just explained to you as to your expectations. So you don't think that you're being insured for something that you're not going to be insured. Your broker should be saying to you, listen, it looks like a leak. The pipe did collapse. Let's see what the insurance company have to say about it. They might, they might help us here um, and, then, and take it. I am this evening in conversation with Mike Addison, who is the owner at Atshaw, and talking about community scheme insurance. And it's one of those topics that we can talk about for a very long period of time, as you can imagine. So we definitely will be having uh, Mike back on uh, because it is one of those things that's so layered and there's so many different components to it. And oftentimes, so many of us don't have the greatest understanding um, when it comes to insurance. I know I'm, you know, I'm really raising my hand saying that this is an issue that I sometimes you know, tend to get. Uh, we are taking your questions and comments at home if you've ever had issues with insurance claims when it comes to um, your claims that you've made while you're living or, you're, or you own in a community scheme. Do share with us below now, what has your experience been uh, with that matter. We've got a comment here coming from uh, Fahana Siddiqui on Facebook uh, saying in our complex geezers are covered in our complex policy but any plumbing inside the the unit is our duty. Any blockage outside tap areas, tap areas insurance covers it for us. And we've got a, a question here from Facebook coming from Roxanne Grove who asks, what about hidden special levies that some HOAs suddenly want you to pay after you buy into a community? Is that allowed for them to suddenly spring that up on you asking for a friend? And, and I don't know if that would be a special levy, you know, that's for insurance. I know some of the special levies that typically would come up um, when you, you know, buy into sectional titles, whether it's an HOA or even a, you know, a normal complex. I know that that does typically happen. Uh, what has been your experience uh, with that one, uh, Mike? Um, 
there's two parts to the question. So the, should we deal with the first one first? Yes. That's the comment um, about the inside of the section. The um, what your um, person said there, I'm sorry, I didn't get the name. So I'm, I'm quite forgetful with names. The, the, the issue was, yes, you're quite correct on your comments. The body corporate actually covers the entire building, though. Not, you're not um, having to deal with the inside of the section from an insurance point of view yourself. Um, the uh, body corporate is obliged to insure the whole building, even your section. So if you've got a, um, a burst pipe inside your section, um, and even um, especially if your geyser is inside your section, in fact, no matter where your geyser is, uh, the body corporate uh, must cover it. So um, yes, the common areas, um, the body corporate maintains and looks after and repairs. You maintain and look after and repair your inside, but the insurance covers the whole building. Um, it's just the excess that's split. So if there's an excess, um, just say you have a burst pipe inside your section as opposed to outside, um, you would pay the excess. The insurance of the body corporate would pay for the claim, uh, but you as the owner would pay the excess. The excess is pinned on the person who maintains that area who's responsible to maintain you man you maintain your section the burst was in your section insurance claim for your section the excess for you on the outside um, pipe burst on the common property on the outside half of the wall common property pipe body corporate claims from the same policy but the body corporate pays the excess okay that's the first comment the second was um, special levies no it's not an insurance issue at all uh, that's a question for one of the attorneys for you. But yes, you know, I've been, I have owned, I've owned, I've been a trustee, I've been a chairperson, um, and I've been in this industry for many, many years. Always a bone of contention uh, mm -hmm. to be sprung with a special levy. Um, you know, I think when you're buying in, it's one of the things you should be looking out for. Yeah. I think Zalinda has done some chats, uh, Zalinda Fanamerva has done some talks on, you know, owners, what to look out for when you're buying in two properties. That's one of them, you know, try and find out if there is any special levies on the horizon. What are the levies? When you're buying a property, you shouldn't just be looking at the property. You should be looking at the, the financials and what's been decided and what's coming. And I think it's it's definitely one of those things, Mike, as you're saying, that we, we tend to not think to ask about. Um, and I think one of the other things that I've certainly picked up is never mind people asking about special levies. We tend to find that people don't even ask about the levies themselves. So you'll buy into a sectional you know, uh, title scheme and you're not aware of what the levies are and what that levy breakdown essentially entails. And you think, look, I've got this great property. It's, you know, 600K. It's a great complex. Only to get in and you find that levies are 3,000 rands. And that's a huge amount. And we know that more often than not, levies go up. It's not one of those things that go down. And you're now stuck with owning, essentially, in this uh, complex that has very high levies, uh, where perhaps the next buyer is going to do adequate due diligence and end up not buying there because of high levies. So I think it, it is very important. And it's something that uh, a lot of our previous guests, including Zelinda Panamadra, as Mike has mentioned, uh, always say we must do ask for what the levies are. So ask for a levy statement. And I think even go as far as asking for the minutes of the AGM because they're you know, if there are any special levies that are coming up and in the event where they are, how long is it going to be there? Because you might just find that they might just do a three-month special levy. There's this particular thing that they want to fix and you're going to be okay with that. 
versus, you know, a year plus long special levy. Maybe that's not something that you want to sign up for um, and you might not be able to afford. So just always be sure to ask, rather ask for more details so that you're better placed to make um, the right decisions when it comes to this. Uh, and Mike, before I let you go, one of the things that I, I want us to, to ask, and you, you know, you pointed out, you pointed to it slightly earlier, is then if, when, when it comes to owners who currently live in uh, sectional titles or perhaps own in sectional titles, how do we then make sure that the sectional title is adequately insured? Because it is one of those things where I think a lot of owners typically don't even know, you know how the insurance work, how much you're insured for, are you properly insured? Uh, unless, of course, you end up having a crisis that necessitates you accessing insurance only to find that there are issues with insurance. I mean, I've heard a few horror stories um, about that. And so what can owners right now do to make sure that they find out that the sectional titles uh, communities, uh, the sectional titles scheme communities that they've bought into are adequately insured? Okay, so attending an AGM is is a good start. Um, or if you're not or a, not able to attend the AGM, find out what actually happened at the AGM. On the agenda, there's an insurance section which deals with the three basic points and lines up with the one, two, three approach I mentioned when we opened up. So one of the things is buildings, and there at the AGM, you get sent the schedule of replacement values. Now, this is often done incorrectly, I must tell you um, and it should be done the proper way of doing it is being presented with a schedule of replacement values which has been properly prepared before the AGM not just a photocopy from the policy but actually a prepared schedule of replacement values which is based on the recent valuation done for the building okay so the prescribed management rule requires that a building is in, is valued by an independent value at least, and I say at least every three years. Now, that is one of the big questions you can ask. As an owner, you can say, put your hand up at the AGM. Say, thank you for the schedule that you're presenting, but what is this based on and when was the last valuation done? And if it hasn't been done in the last three years, make a hell of a noise. It needs to get done. Um, and it's so often overlooked. People try to you know, they want to spend 5,000 Rand on evaluation or whatever the case might be, and they will wait for next year, wait for next year, and it never gets done. Very important. Make sure that the, the building is valued. Mm. And, and Mike, before I let you go, any final tips for our viewers at home when it comes to dealing with, you know, insurance matters uh, in the community schemes where they've bought into? Yes, I think ask the right questions. Um, the, one of the questions you can ask is, Tell me, um, we've got body corporate. We've got insurance for our body corporate or sectional title insurance. That's all very nice. Um, but you know, do we get advice? Are we checked? Is our broker giving us advice every year? And is it written? And ask for a copy of the written advice. Ask for a copy of the policy. You're entitled for a copy of the policy. Um, I wouldn't make it a thing that it must get published all the time because the policies change, and that can that can. Ch this, that's got its own danger field. But I would, um, from time to time as an owner, ask for a copy of the policy, ask for a copy of the valuation. That's, a, that's also another good point. And then the one that I didn't mention is fidelity. 
make sure that the formula that, that is prescribed has been adhered to uh, and that the proper insurance ask, have, what, have, what's the formula applied? Or when you're at the AGM, how did you determine this amount? Explain that to us, please, at the AGM. Um, that, that's probably the best. For an HIA, Homeowners Association, also very important have the common property valued. I cannot stress that enough. I've actually seen the biggest problems around HIAs because they think that they just need to ensure the gate and pave, pave parkway and what have you. Have a look at it. There's, there's all sorts of problems underground that, could, that may need to be insured. Um, I had one the other day where the building was only insured for 900,000. Um, an evaluation was done and it came in at 21 million. It was so underinsured. It was less than 5% of the sum insured. Had there been a burst pipe underground and there had been, or, or a flood, uh, you know, Johannesburg especially takes away a whole road if there's a severe flood, um, they would have only been paid out less than 5% of their claim. So HIAs, don't mess around, get your valuations done. And that's such a great note to leave it on. Like, I, I mean, I was, when you were saying those things with a recent case you've dealt with, I was so shocked. I actually uh, would have probably had an heart attack, um, you know, if you live there, because you don't want to realize in the middle of a crisis that you are underinsured, because that's when, uh, that's the worst possible time um, for that to happen, because that's probably when a lot of, um, you tend to find body corporates need to then have a special levy because you must deal with the damage and you need to find a way to deal with it as quickly as possible and you can't, um, you know, access insurance, unfortunately. So I think that just thinking of that is actually a bit of a scary note. So to all our viewers at home who, who've bought into a sectional title community, that's, that's some homework for you to do to make sure that you, you know, ask uh, whether the the body corporate has adequately insured the the complex or the estate, because you don't want to find yourselves in a situation where uh, there ends up being a crisis and you find out that you're not adequately insured. Well, Mike, we're going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining you, for joining us rather. We're definitely going to have you back on the show. I think this has been one of those conversations that you realize this, there are so many layers and still so many things that you need to um, try to figure out and learn and as an owner be empowered um, about because I think so many of us probably just don't know and so we never really ask. Um, so definitely thank you so much for joining us this evening. No, it's a pleasure. And I look forward to Monday night, by the way, because call that part two. I believe my colleague, uh, who's the insurer, CEO of CIA, is speaking on Monday. Um, so if there's any more insurance, I'm sure ask him the questions on Monday. Douglas, good luck on Monday. Definitely <laughs> will Okay. Bye-bye. And that is Mike Addison, who is the uh, owner at AdShaw. We've been looking at uh, insurance when it comes to our community schemes. We're going to go for a quick break. And when we come back, we will be announcing who the lucky winner is of the 5,000 Rand voucher for our Sherlock Holmes competition. We'll be back just after this.
Welcome back to episode 194 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. Well, it is a Friday, uh, and it is, of course, in the middle of us running our Sherlock Holmes competition, where every single week you stand a chance of walking away with 5,000 Rand voucher. And we give that away by making sure, or rather how you can stand a chance of walking away with that money is by entering on www.privateproperty.co.za. We post the riddle every single Monday on our social media platforms and we want to see if you can play detective and crack the riddle. Well, this evening we're going to be announcing who the lucky winner is of that 5,000 Rand voucher and I, I think my colleague has just told me we're just about ready to unveil the lucky winner and that's congratulations to Prayesh Govan. Uh, you are the lucky winner of this week's Sherlock Holmes hunt and we certainly do enjoy doing giveaways. And so congratulations there to Prayesh, um, or rather Prayesh governed. Uh, I apologize for butchering your name. Uh, and you do walk away with that 5,000 Rand uh, voucher. Do make sure you send us a DM and the team will be in touch with you to make sure that you get your prize. Well, if you haven't won this week, do, do make sure that you watch out for the, uh, for the new riddle. So next week, we're going to be on week four of our competition. And the new riddle will be coming out on Monday morning at 10 p.m. across our social media platforms. So make sure that you're glued to your screens so you can start cracking the riddle and stand a chance of walking away with that cash voucher. And of course, you can also walk away with the 500 Rand cash prize that we give away every Wednesdays and Thursdays. And that's the spot price uh, to make sure that we keep things a bit interesting uh, along the 12-week journey during this Sherlock Holmes competition. Well, that's it from me, Zamandungwa Kumalo. It has been a pleasure being with you this week across our social media platforms. Uh, we'll be back on your screens on Monday evening, 7 o'clock as usual. Hoping we stay in touch on social media. I'm at Zamadunga underscore K. Until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe. I'm a BCom student at Stellenbosch University. I currently live in Valkofonen Estate and I absolutely love this area. Historically, Stellenbosch is known as a student town. It offers an incredibly peaceful lifestyle 
and the people around town are always welcoming and friendly. Because it's a small town, there's an amazing community vibe with some really authentic coffee shops and restaurants. The trees along Victoria Street create a beautiful environment to be in and it's really cool for students passing through campus. There's some excellent boys and girls schools in the area. Our town has such a rich history, but at the same time it's really modern and you'll find some amazing art installations all around. The sunrises and sunsets are some of the best in the world. It's the most beautiful place to call home. I've lived here for the past five years and it's been an unforgettable experience. And this is my neighborhood.